0: Dose of debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show.
1: And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. One hopes the beginnings of a great weekend. There certainly is some very positive news, a little bit of positive news for once from the Middle East, the release of two hostages. We will tell you about it and what happened there. And how there may be even some hope for other American hostages and for their release. Uh, The president gave a speech last night. It seems to have gotten a favorable response from Congress. Uh, Congress meanwhile uh, basically saying no three strikes and you're out. Third time for uh, Jim Jordan, and this time there were 25 Republicans who voted against him. How many does he need to vote against him to block him as Speaker 4? So uh, there needs to be something else done in the House of Representatives. We'll be talking to Jay Cost of uh, the American Enterprise Institute, who has a piece in National Review about what would the founders, what would the framers of our Constitution Think about what is going on in the House of Representatives right now. Would they be proud? Would they be gratified? Uh, we will get to that with Jay Cost. We will also be speaking to Daniel Henninger, who has a profound piece in the Wall Street Journal about how the war between Israel and the bloody-handed killers of Hamas how that war has reshuffled the U.S. presidential election. And one of the good pieces of news about uh, this weekend coming up is there are two movies that are both remarkable, one of them an artistic triumph uh, from one of America's most acclaimed directors ever, Martin Scorsese, with uh, Oscar-worthy performances by Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. And the other film, not just an artistic triumph, but a political and moral triumph about heroic Christians. Yes, that's right. You heard me right. A movie from Hollywood about heroic Christians who are willing to risk everything, everything, life itself, to rescue people from the hell on earth uh, prison of North Korea. Uh, we will be telling you about that film and talking to the CEO who's behind it, who made it possible. one uh, 800 is our phone number. Uh, first off, the good news about a uh, mother and daughter who were just released as hostages. Uh, they, uh, there's a caveat to this, of course, but this is the way it was covered uh, about an hour ago on NBC News.
2: Three sources confirmed to NBC News that two
1: American hostages have been released by Hamas. I want to bring in NBC News Kelly Kobiea. Kelly, what more do we know? Yeah, we don't know too much more than that uh, at the moment. Please uh, bear with me here. Uh, It appears that Hamas has released a brief statement saying that it has, in fact, released two American female
2: hostages, a mother and daughter, uh, three independent sources confirming to NBC News uh, that two American hostages have, in fact, been released.
1: Okay, the two American hostages were Judith and uh, Natalie Ra'anan who were held by Hamas since Saturday, October 7th. They've been handed over to the Red Cross. Uh, this was confirmed to the Jerusalem Post uh, today. Uh, they are on their way out, the source said. They are being released on humanitarian grounds because the mother is in very poor health. Uh, I would imagine that she's probably very sick. Uh, it is unclear whether they will be released from Gaza into Egypt or directly into Israel. Uh, Natalie, who is 17 years old, who is the daughter who has been released, just graduated from high school, and she was studying Torah in Israel. Uh, that's, by the way, a common practice for religious Jewish kids in this country. It happened with two of my kids, which is you graduate high school and then you spend a year in Israel in religious study, and then you come back and go to college. Both our oldest daughter and our son uh, went through that experience, which was a very important experience, giving them the chance to live in Israel. In Aver, you don't expect that your child, who is studying in, in Israel, is going to be kidnapped by terrorists on uh, Shabbat day and a Shabbat day that was also uh, the celebration of Simchat Torah in, in Israel. In any event, the um, the mother, whose name is Judith Raanan, who uh, is an artist who was working in several hospitals in the Chicago area. They were in Israel together to celebrate Uh, The grandmothers, uh, Judith's mother is 85, and they were celebrating her 85th birthday. The Red Cross confirmed their release, according to Israeli media. uh, Hamas uh, put out a statement on its Telegram channel saying in response to Qatari efforts, the al Qassam Brigades release two American citizens, a mother and her daughter for humanitarian reasons, and to prove to the American people and the world that the claims made by Biden and his fascist administration are false and baseless. What claims are false and baseless? Are they holding hostages or not? Did they kill 1,400 people or not? I, I, I mean... What kind of baseless claims are they insisting on here? The uh, Hostages and Missing Families Forum responded to the announcement by reminding the world that the Ra'anans are just two of the more than 200 hostages who are being held by Hamas. The estimate is that about 30 of them uh, may be Americans, like these two were. The continued holding of hostages is a war crime. A statement by the headquarters of the Hostages and Missing Families Forum said many leaders in Arab states have tremendous influence over the leaders and must act to immediately release all the hostages and missing held in Gaza. We call on world leaders in the international community to exert their full power in order to act for the release of all the hostages and missing. Uh, one of the questions you'd ask here about all of the quote young idealists who are participating in the pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian demonstrations on college campuses is why not at least add something a demanding release the hostages at 200 people unbelievable the uh, speech last night by Joe Biden was uh, generally hailed on all sides of the political spectrum. Uh, There were commentators on Fox News, uh, there were lots of Republicans, including Republican leaders in Congress, who are very sympathetic for what the President is trying to do. What he's talking about is sending up to the Congress, it probably will happen before the end of the day, a proposal for a hundred billion dollars to provide absolutely necessary, crucial uh, supplies and ammunition and military equipment to both Ukraine and Israel. Uh, this is the way that uh, Biden uh, opened his speech to the nation last night from the Oval Office, clip 19.
3: You early this morning, I returned from Israel. <clears throat> they tell me I'm the first American president to travel there during a the war. I met with the Prime Minister and members of his Cabinet, and most movingly, I met with Israelis who had personally lived through horrific horror of the attack by Hamas on the 7th of October. More than 1,300 people slaughtered in Israel, including at least 32 American citizens. Scores of innocents, from infants to the elderly grandparents, Israelis, Americans taken hostage. As I told the families of Americans being held captive by Hamas, we're pursuing every avenue to bring their loved ones home.
1: And uh, we will talk about that avenue to bring the loved ones home, the latest on when, uh, if we know, or if anyone knows, uh, the uh, ground invasion of Gaza is going to take place, and what happens next. Come
0: This is The Michael Medved Show.
1: Michael Medved show uh, talking about Joe Biden's speech last night, uh, and and it's, it's it's fairly remarkable. He he made the point that uh, he was the first president to actually visit Israel during wartime, and frankly, he is the the first president uh, ever. Well, the second, this is the second instance of a president going to a battle zone at a time of war. And, and frankly, taking some very real risks to his own survival. Thank God he got back okay, everything fine. But uh, the first time that ever happened was when President Biden visited Kyiv. And for an 80-year-old who is noted to, on occasion, look frail and sound disoriented, there is a sense in which he is changed by this particular crisis. And I think that was evident in the speech last night. I uh, I made a point of, of watching it because it was only the second time Biden has ever given an address from the Oval Office. And... Uh, This was a memorable and important address. Again, he began by talking about the hostages and the determination that we have in the United States so that the other Americans, like the Ra'anans, who uh, the mother and daughter, 17-year-old daughter and her mother, were just released by the Hamas. We do not know their condition, but uh, the report was that they were in ill health. Uh, and so thank God they are now in the hands of the Red Cross. Uh, Biden spoke about hostages, uh, in near the beginning of his speech last night, listen,
3: Israelis, Americans taken hostage. And I told the families of Americans being held captive by Hamas, we're pursuing every avenue to bring their loved ones home as president, there is no higher priority for me than the safety of Americans held hostage. The terrorist group Hamas unleashed pure, unadulterated evil in the world. But sadly, the Jewish people know perhaps better than anyone that there is no limit to the depravity of people when they want to inflict pain on others. In Israel, I saw people who are strong, determined, resilient, and also angry, in shock and in deep, deep pain.
1: Okay, I got a little taste of that after the president's speech. Uh, I've mentioned before on the air that we have a little tradition in our family of a brother's call. Where I have three younger brothers, and they're all over the world. And uh, my brother Jonathan is in Israel with uh, um, a son-in-law, and then three, uh, two of his three sons uh, called up and on the front lines in in the struggle. I also have first cousins. Uh, these are the children. My father only had one surviving uh, sibling, his older brother. And the children of his older brother, three of them, all made their lives in Israel. And they have, in terms of grandchildren, more than a dozen grandchildren who have been called up for this military mission. And God willing, may they all be safe. Uh, one of One of them, my nephew and then my cousins, are um, basically at the center of the action, uh, supposedly what is going to be the center of action in Gaza. But um, one of the things that Biden talked about is that where our family came from, and we were all talking about it last night, was Ukraine. And with all of the attention on Israel, which is appropriate, it's also appropriate to look at the similarities between Hamas and Putin's Russia. Uh, listen, this is clip eight.
3: Hamas and Putin represent different threats, but they share this in common. They both want to completely annihilate a neighboring democracy, completely annihilate it. Hamas, this is a state of purpose for existing, it is the destruction of the state of Israel and the murder of Jewish people. Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people. Hamas uses Palestinian civilians as human shields, and innocent Palestinian families are suffering greatly because of them. Meanwhile, Putin denies Ukraine has or ever had real statehood. He claims the Soviet Union created Ukraine. And just two weeks ago, he told the world that if the United States and our allies withdraw, and if the United States withdraw our allies will as well, military support for Ukraine would have, quote, A week left to live but we're not withdrawing.
1: And uh, uh, Biden uh, then explained why we are not withdrawing, why the support for Ukraine is so crucial. This is clip nine.
3: You know, history has taught us that when terrorists don't pay a price for their terror, when dictators don't pay a price for their aggression, they cause more chaos and death and more destruction. They keep going. And the cost and the threats to America and the world keep rising. So, if we don't stop Putin's appetite for power and control in Ukraine, he won't limit himself just to Ukraine. Beyond Europe, we know that our allies and maybe most importantly, our adversaries and competitors are watching. They're watching our response in Ukraine as well. And if we walk away and let Putin erase Ukraine's independence, we would-be aggressors around the world being be emboldened to try the same. The risk of conflict and chaos could spread in other parts of the world, in the Indo-Pacific, in the Middle East, especially in the Middle East. Iran is, su- is supporting Russia u- u- in Ukraine, and is supporting Hamas and other terrorist groups in the region, and will continue to hold them accountable, I might add. The United States and our partners across the region are working to build a better future for the Middle East, one where the Middle East is more stable better connected to its neighbors, and through innovative projects like the Indian Middle East Europe Rail Corridor that I announced this year at the summit of the world's biggest economies.
1: Okay, it's a good idea, but uh, trains, <laughs> despite uh, the fondness uh, of President Biden for trains, are, are not necessarily the solution. He also spoke about the dangers that Americans face uh, according to reports by our State Department everywhere that with the uh, the entire world having demonstrations and sometimes very very angry very large demonstrations outside US embassies and consulates and of course they're doing the same to Israeli embassies and consulates in countries that have diplomatic relations with Israel uh, that it is a dangerous time for Americans to travel. And uh, it's an extraordinary thing when you think about uh, the United States' role in all of this, the United States' role, President Biden's role in trying to get the first shipment of humanitarian assistance uh, to people in Gaza. And yes, I think this is important and I'm proud that the United States was involved with this effort. But uh, where would the world be without the United States? That it seems to me is an extraordinarily relevant question. Uh, And he, President Biden last night, described the United States as the indispensable nation. And he cited that as a phrase from Madeleine Albright, former Secretary of State, actually it's uh, been a phrase that's been around for a long time because it reflects a deep and historic truth we'll get right back on the Medved show Mm
0: History shows at MedVit History Store.com. This, this is, is the Michael, Michael Medved Show.
1: And just a reminder that when you sign up at the MedVed History Store to become a Medhead Plus member, that gives you free access to any of our history programs. There are about a hundred of them, including why they fight the origins of the Arab-Israeli conflict and five Middle Eastern wars and the media's grudge against Israel, and uh, which is a particularly puzzling question here where, uh, at least, thank goodness, major mainstream media in this country have now gotten the story right about the hospital in Gaza that was allegedly blown up by an Israeli uh, aerial bombardment. And it wasn't! And people should have known that from the beginning, Uh, literally. Uh, Minutes after that story broke, I checked on some sources that I do have, and I I reported this was not an Israeli strike. And for for me, sitting here uh, doing this radio show, to be able to get the story right when the massive resources involved with the New York Times and ABC and NBC and the rest got it completely wrong, and now I've had to acknowledge that they got it completely wrong. It's a a, a dramatic uh, dramatic reversal. We'll be dealing with some of that coming up. Uh, to finish with uh, President Biden's speech last night, I, I think there's no question about it. And you can even hear it in his voice. It's like uh, uh, President uh, Trump uh, always referred to him as Sleepy Joe before the new nickname, which is Crooked Joe, But uh, I don't know how you sound crooked or not, but he certainly doesn't sound sleepy anymore. And there is something about this entire situation that has reshuffled his presidency, obviously, changed it profoundly, and I think changed the nature of the campaign. We're going to be talking to Daniel Henninger uh, of The Wall Street Journal about that coming up on The Medved Show. Uh, President Biden uh, concluded his speech with some very important and patriotic remarks, it seems to me. Uh, This is the President of the United States urging Americans to reject all forms of hate. This is clip 15.
3: We all have a right to debate and disagree without fear of being targeted in schools or workplaces or in our communities. I must renounce violence and vitriol. See each other not as enemies, but as fellow Americans. When I was in Israel yesterday, I uh, said that when America experienced the hell of 9/11, we felt enraged as well. While we sought and got justice, we made mistakes. So I cautioned the government of Israel not to be blinded by rage. And here in America, let us not forget who we are. We reject all forms all forms of hate, whether against Muslim, Jews, or anyone. That's what great nations do, and we are a great nation.
1: Okay, the one thing that I I do wish he would drop is this idea that we made mistakes reacting to 9-11. Because one of the things about the reaction to 9-11 is that people were terribly concerned about a repeat Another major organized attack on the American homeland. That's why we established the Department of Homeland Security. And you know what? The Bush administration succeeded because we were able to uh, to avoid and to create d- d- deterrence and national defense to avoid that kind of repeat attack. Again, should we continue to be concerned about it? Of course we should especially at this moment. Uh, And why? Because the world needs the United States. As President Biden said last night, listen.
3: I'm going to send to Congress an urgent budget request to fund America's national security needs, to support our critical partners, including Israel and Ukraine. It's a smart investment that's going to pay dividends for American security for generations. Help us keep American troops out of harm's way help us build a world that is safer, more peaceful, more prosperous for our children and grandchildren. In Israel, we must make sure that they have what they need to protect their people today and always. The security package I'm sending to Congress and asking Congress to do is an unprecedented commitment to Israel's security that will sharpen Israel's qualitative military edge, which we've committed to, the qualitative military edge. We're going to make sure Iron Dome continues to guard the skies over Israel.
1: And uh, then he, he also talked uh, about humanitarian assistance to Gaza. Uh,
3: here's <coughs> the the people of, of the Gaza States. urgently need food, water, and medicine. Yesterday, in discussions with the leaders of Israel and Egypt, I secured an agreement were the first shipment of humanitarian assistance from the United Nations to Palestinian civilians in Gaza. If Hamas does not divert or steal this shipment, these shipments, we're going to provide an opening for sustained delivery of life-saving humanitarian assistance for the Palestinians. As I said in Israel, as hard as it is, we cannot give up on peace. We cannot give up on a two-state solution. Israel and Palestinians equally deserve to live in safety. Dignity and peace.
1: And uh, then
3: he talked
1: about the fake hospital explosion. This is
3: a clip 18. I also spoke with President Abbas, the Palestinian Authority, and reiterated the United States remains committed to the Palestinian people's right to dignity and to self-determination. The actions of Hamas terrorists don't take that right away. Like so many other, I'm heartbroken by the tragic loss of Palestinian life, including the explosion at the hospital in Gaza, which was not done by the Israelis. We mourn every innocent life lost. We can't ignore the humanity of innocent Palestinians who only want to live in peace and have an opportunity.
1: And uh, uh, then uh, he actually talked about the concluded with emphasizing the similarities between Putin And Hamas.
3: When I exited that train and met Zelensky, President Zelensky, I didn't feel alone. I was bringing with me the idea of America, the promise of America, to the people who are today fighting for the same things we fought for 250 years ago freedom, independence, self determination. As I walked through Kyiv with President Zelensky, with air raid sirens sounding in the distance, I felt something I've always believed more strongly than ever before. America is a beacon to the world, still, still. Whereas, my friend Madeleine Albright said, the indispensable nation. Tonight, there are innocent people all over the world who hope because of us, who believe in a better life because of us, who are desperate not to be forgotten by us and are waiting for us. But time is of the essence. I know we have our divisions at home. We have to get past them. We can't let petty, partisan, angry politics get in the way of our responsibilities as a great nation. We cannot and will not let terrorists like Hamas and tyrants like Putin win. I refuse to let that happen. In moments like these, we have to remind, we have to remember who we are. We are the United States of America. The United States of America. And there is nothing nothing beyond our capacity if we do it together
1: and uh the reaction to his speech uh even on fox news the reaction has been positive i i ardently hope that the reaction in the house of representatives will be positive they will get their act together will bring the very latest Uh, Jim Jordan, three strikes, you're out. He's tried three different times to uh, get the support he needed to become Speaker of the House. Each time he got less support and more members of his fellow Republicans in the House who don't want this guy to be Speaker. So what happens next and where do we go from here? We'll get to it coming up on The Medved Show.
0: Michael Medved
1: Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, Jim Jordan, the uh, chairman of the House uh, Judiciary Committee, and the designated, uh, at least before they removed that designation, which they just did uh, under closed doors, but uh, before his most recent loss in the votes in the House. Uh, He was the uh, designated candidate for speaker. Uh, We will get to his defiant uh, speech this morning in just a moment. Uh, But first, it it is unusual to see consensus on anything in this country, between the left and the right, between Fox News, for instance, and uh, MSNBC. Uh, Uh, between right and left, but there has been a a fairly strong consensus about the president's speech last night. And fortunately, I think that that indicates that uh, certainly the request for the uh, new military aid for Israel and for Ukraine, it's going to pass the Senate, and it's going to pass the Senate very overwhelmingly with at least 80 votes. And uh, will it pass the House of Representatives? I believe that it will. They had a number of Republican members of the House, including uh, Maria Elvira Salazar from Florida, who were very enthusiastic to support this uh, a nonpartisan, but introduced by President Biden, uh, grant of new aid, which is tremendously important right now. Britt Hume. On Fox News reacted immediately to President Biden's speech from the Oval Office last night. Clip 14.
0: Oh, I think it may be remembered as one of the best if not the best speeches of his presidency he was firm he was unequivocal he was strong as he has been particularly uh, in recent days when he was before he went to Israel and while he was over there I was struck by the fact that he spent as much time as he did on Ukraine. And I think it was a good thing that he did, because the aid for Ukraine uh, package that he's talking about and further aid to Ukraine beyond that is in jeopardy. And I think that he was hampered a little bit in that effort by the fact that he dare not really mention the best reason. I mean, he mentioned, broadly speaking, the best reason for sticking with it in Ukraine, which is that what would the rest of the world and its evildoers think if we pulled out of there because that comes on the heels of his having pulled out of Afghanistan, which arguably emboldened uh, all, of the, uh, all of our adversaries around the world, uh, particularly Vladimir Putin. Um, he didn't make that. He, he can't really make that case, and you wouldn't expect him to. But he made a strong case for it nonetheless, and I think, it's, I think it's, it's important that he did. And also, of course, you're right, Brett, to wonder whether, as Republicans will, there'll be a follow-up to his statement about holding Iran accountable.
1: Okay, this is uh, what's important about this is acknowledging that it was a good speech, but then looking back at some of the mistakes that have been characteristic of the Biden administration or much of the Biden administration. Speaking of mistakes, uh, Jim Jordan, who was clearly expecting to win the vote this morning, he actually had 25 votes against him, the most ever. Uh, He went from 20 to 22 to now 25 members of the House who say, no way, uh, Jim Jordan. But uh, here was uh, the candidate for speaker speaking just before the vote. People, I think, are starting to doubt and wonder about their government and about where our nation is headed. They see an open border. They see crime in the streets. They know what it costs to put gas in their car. They know what it costs
2: to put food on the table. They see a war in Israel. Our strongest ally Israel and what's happening there and the help that Israel needs. And they see a government that's been
1: weaponized against we the people. The very government that's supposed to serve us has been turned on the taxpayers who pay for it. I think the American people are uh, thirsty for change. I think they are hungry for leadership. And frankly, they know that the White House can't provide it. They know the Senate won't lead.
2: And they are looking for House Republicans to step up and lead and make change on these important issues.
1: Proceeded to lose. By the way, every one of these votes, he, uh, Jim Jordan, got less votes than the Democratic candidate for speaker, Hakeem Jeffries. But uh, somebody who knows a little bit about the House, Newt Gingrich, who led the Republican Revolution that took over the House. And what a good job he did, Newt Gingrich, particularly in his first two years as speaker. He uh, let loose a little bit on today's House GOP with some lessons that people ought to take to heart one can only hope this is clip 13
0: but they're gonna to have to get in a room I saw just a few minutes ago Jim Jordan has decided to go back and try again because it turned wow. out what I thought was a good idea uh, to have McHenry uh, the current speaker pro-tem stay on till January 3rd. I mean these folks have got to calm down mm. the level of anger uh, the level of hostility in the conference all of it started by eight traders that's what they were traders who abandoned their party and allied with the Democrats against 96% of the Republican Party with no idea what they would do if they won. Mm. Uh, They have caused chaos, they have embarrassed the Republican Party, and they've weakened the United States at a time when there are two major wars underway. Uh, And it's really, truly, uh, I think, the most disgraceful behavior by Republicans in my lifetime.
1: Wow. (laughs) That, that, That covers a lot because it covers... Watergate, when President Nixon was forced to resign, it uh, covers the misbehavior, corrupt misbehavior, taking bribes with unmarked cash bills in paper bags. That was Spiro Agnew, vice president of the United States, who had to resign. And this, Newt says, is the most disgraceful behavior by Republicans in his lifetime. Is Newt a potential outside candidate for speaker, they mentioned lots of names right now. Uh, this was uh, uh, the uh, overstatement by Hakeem Jeffries, the Democratic leader in the House, who was a candidate for speaker. Who every single time he ended up getting uh, the 212 Democratic votes, um, but uh, which put him ahead of uh, Jim Jordan. Here's what he had to say about
2: his Republican rival at every step of the way republicans have rejected bipartisanship and embraced extremism jim jordan is a clear and present danger to our democracy he wants to end social security as we know it he wants to end medicare as we know it doesn't believe that president biden was elected in 2020 That's disrespectful to the American people. Jim Jordan wants to impose a nationwide abortion ban, and he is the poster child for MAGA extremism. We are saying to our traditional Republican colleagues, good men and women on the other side of the aisle, end the attachment to the extremist, Jim Jordan, and join with Democrats in finding a bipartisan path forward. Okay, that may be necessary
1: at some point, because today is (laughs) October the 20th, and that means there's, uh, it's just till November 17th that uh, we go into another government shutdown. And to do that when we are in the midst of trying to help our allies in crucial moments in uh, two devastating wars, I mean this is craziness. We'll talk a little bit uh, to Jay Coast and uh, he is a visiting fellow at the American Enterprise Institute and at the Center for Faith and Freedom at Grove City College and he's written a piece about what the founders who put this constitution together would think about the current state of the House of Representatives and the current state of American politics. What is the heart of the problem? The heart of the problem appears to be that both sides believe that you have to not only defeat uh, the other side, but that you have to destroy the other side. Because people have ruled out the idea of any kind of cooperation uh, with your fellow Americans. We're not now talking about Hamas. Are there people out there really who believe that the Democratic Party, uh, with all of its faults and all of its extreme voices, and there are very extreme and irresponsible voices on the Democratic side, does anybody really believe it's the equivalent of Hamas? Uh, We'll be speaking also to Daniel Henninger coming up about of the Wall Street Journal about how the entire presidential race has been reset, and there's a plan. Here in Washington state to increase the I-405 tolls to eight thousand six hundred and forty bucks per year and to toll on weekends too? Are they kidding? No, they're not, unfortunately. We'll cover it in this greatest nation on God's